Hello everyone, welcome back to the main event. You're here with me, Daniel. And Aaron. So today we are starting off with our group previews at long last. Aaron, it's been so long since we did this last time. It was very daunting. We did everything in one day last time, I think. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. It was intense. It was very, very intense. So we have decided this time we're going to record one or two a day over the course of the week, and then we can put them out, give everyone a chance to listen to them as well. Now, if you've clicked on this thinking wait there a minute this says group c where are group a and b we are going to record those later we aren't going in order and the reason for that is we can get some more information for certain teams because they're either playing on a friday night or earlier on the saturday and we can obviously record something on the sunday as well so we are trying to do the ones where basically we know more about the teams now and not much is going to change. And if something does change, it's just one game and it's just tough. We were going to record everything on Sunday and Monday and then realise that no one will have a chance to listen. So we'll dive right in to Group C. First team, we're just going to go in alphabetical order, is Ajax. Ajax, as ever, dominating their league in the opening three games uh, with two 5-0 wins. The have had a bit of an upset with a 1-1 draw in the middle there. But gratefully with Ajax, particularly defence and in midfield, they've been quite consistent and up front as well. There's only one or two positions where players are seemingly rotating. So Stekelenburg has started every game in goal. Masru right-back, Timber and Martinez are the centre-backs with Blint at left-back. Alvarez and Gravenberch have played in the double pivot as they do play a 4-2-3-1 consistently. The three players in front of them have rotated between uh, Berghaus, Klassen and Tadic. Tadic has been available for all three. Actually, sorry, my bad. Tadic and Klassen have it. Berghaus and Anthony that have sort of done the hokey-cokey in and out. And uh, Haller, if anyone remembers him from West Ham, started every game up front and most importantly has returned in every game while he's played up front. He has two goals and one assist, one return in each game. Tadic has two goals and an assist, but they all came in the same game. Klassen and Anthony both have a goal. Berghaus has an assist, but one of the sort of standout players that I can see here is Masru. He has, in these three games, a goal and two assists. So Aaron, what are you making of Ajax? They're definitely dominant. And what I think the... Competition in terms of the other teams in the Eredivisie has really raised, like PSV Eindhoven. I think they won last year. No, no, Ajax won last year, but PSV have definitely upped their quality. So as a result, it pushes the rest of the teams. Ajax kind of had a bit of an upset, saying like last year when all of their best players were bought. Um, and But as Ajax always do, great academy and just bring back through a good crop of young talent. They've done a little bit more spending probably than what they used to, especially with players like uh, Stecklenburg in goal and bringing back Heller. So I think that good form and it's just with the quality, it's kind of like with the, these kind of leagues, it's how does their quality match up against other European leagues? And But I think they'll be fine because Ajax also having a full stadium in Amsterdam could give any team a good game so quite uh, quite excited to watch them especially some of the names that we remember from their deep run in the tournament a couple of seasons ago see some how, how they're faring yeah the uh, the great thing for Ajax is that I think they've been handed 
quite a nice group. So we can go in on some of their players. If we look at some price points, uh, Masru, who I mentioned, is only four and a half million as a defender. I think as a budget defender goes, he's one of the best in the game. Purely based on his price, his attack and return potential. And he's in a group where he can get, A, definitely attacking returns, if we look at the other teams, but also why why can't Ajax make a clean sheet? In a four and a half million, he's going to allow you to go elsewhere. So he's right on my radar. Now, the issue is, is that uh, Stecklenburg is one of the few four and a half million goalkeepers that you'd arguably go for. A lot of the other four and a half millions don't play. I've seen um, there's another four and a half million that's in this group that players are gravitating to. And we'll talk about why I maybe wouldn't recommend it. Oh, to be fair, when we see their form, you'll see why I wouldn't recommend the other goalkeepers. And the question becomes, do you really want to double up on Ajax defence? And then when Alvarez is a four and a half million midfielder, he's played... All three games, he scored a goal in the last game as well. So we can see that he has something about him. But mainly he's going to be there for, for ball recoveries against three of their fairly attacking teams. You suddenly tripled up on Ajax. And is that a position you really want to be in? So I think for your team balance, you have to ask yourself those questions. But in terms of individual assets, they're absolutely great. They've got Martinez at centre-back, also four and a half million. He has an assist in the last game. But I don't know really why you'd go for him over over Masru at right back. I, th- I think that's a done and dusted choice between the two. Go for the right back. And then the other question is, Tadic and, Se- uh, and Halla up front, they are both eight and a half million, both forwards. That is a pretty penny to pay for Ajax forwards. But they are in a group where teams love conceding goals. So as far as needing someone at that price point, if you are looking to play the fixtures, it could be really nice. For me, I think there are other eight and a half nines that I could go to if I wanted to spend that much. But if you're looking for differentials, I think I think Tadic and Haller. Tadic is probably more explosive. So if you're looking for a captaincy choice, although eight and a half million captaincy choices, I'm not entirely sure about that. Uh, whereas Haller seems to be a little bit more consistent. Are yeah, you but- thinking about going for any Ajax players? Yeah, the Alvarez that you said, kind of, it was a similar situation last year with Barrios, where it was an underpriced defensive midfielder who's a starter, and he's a good enabler in terms of ball recovery points. This group, by on paper, looks like it's going to be quite competitive. So I think a ball recovery points in having to field their strongest team every game is a good reason to get them, but also just how highly... I think when other people are creating their teams and he is like second or third in the how highly owned players are, I think people are just going to put them in. They won't know anything about him and they just put them in. So kind of like, oh, everyone else is doing it. Kind of like the way that Luke Shaw was for FPL, how he was like the most highly owned player so I think everyone else just kept putting him in um although we kind of know a bit more about Luke Shaw than we do about Alvarez but yeah I think the Masri that you've just said that's a great shout and the goalkeepers as well because Onana his 
suspension runs out halfway through the group stage. And I think that's going to be quite interesting. Um, I think it's November 3rd, his suspension runs out, which means there'll be two games left, I believe. So that's also a very interesting uh, situation in terms of their defence, because how sharp will he be? He's allowed back at training. But in terms of enablers, individual ones, like you said, there's some great shouts here. So I'm definitely going to have one, potentially two. I'll just kind of see what premiums I need to try and wedge into my team. Yeah, this is a great team just for facilitating other players, if anything else. But when you look at, as you say, the competitiveness of the group, there could be some holes in for Ajax players, genuinely. I will move on to Besiktas. They uh, have also played three games. Gradually building, they've messed around with their formation quite a bit. They've played a 4-1-4-1, a 4-2-3-1, and a 4-3-3, which immediately makes me completely disinterested. I can't fully get a grasp on who's going to be playing because they've just changed around their teams so much. Honestly, when I was doing research on these, I had to double-check that I'd actually picked the right team because from one game week to another, there's one or two players keeping their places, and then by the third game, they're out. If you're looking at who scored... uh, so they, they drew the first game 0-0, won one nil the second game, Texero the goal, and then they won the third game 4-0. So they have actually kept three clean sheets, but this is the Turkish league. Um, Topal's got a goal and two assists. Tor has got a goal, and Yalchin has got two goals. Uh, Ozzy Yacup has an assist as well, if that means anything to anyone. Aaron, are you even remotely interested by Besiktas? No, the I think it's quite interesting the fact that they managed to get Pjanic on a loan and he would probably be the only player that I would consider because how good of a set-piece taker he is. And he's not really yeah. had that opportunity over the last few years playing behind Messi and Ronaldo because before that point, I think he had the highest percentage of free-kick goals, uh, corner assist ratio, and I'm guessing he would be on penalties as well. He, but it's been since Ronaldo's moved to Juventus that he's actually been the main set piece taker. I don't know if he still does that for Bosnia, but he's priced at seven million, and at that point, it's it's kind of overpriced because he's he's priced as a Barcelona player. So yeah. I just think it's that someone, the only player I'd probably be interested in, if he was a bit cheaper. So to answer your question, no. Great. Um, there is a four million player from another team uh, in defence that we'll talk about when when we go through from uh, for that team. I can't remember what group they're in. Um, but if you are looking for four million defenders, Wellington is four million. He has played two of these three games. He was dropped for the most recent one, which is what gives me concern. Um, as essentially the goalkeeper and three of the back four were the same for two games, the first two games. And the most recent game, that all changed. The goalkeeper, right back, both centre-backs. The left back from the first game played the third game, who was in Sakala, but uh, did not play the middle game. Yilmaz played that. I don't like the rotation that's going on. 
I don't know how they're going to prioritise between the league and the Champions League. They clearly have enough squad depth to be winning 1-0 and 4-0 in their league, playing completely different teams. I'd, I'd honestly just stay clear of them. It depends how much of a bench enabler you want, because uh, Michi Batshuayi, 5.5. Honestly, there's other forwards for around the same price that I've, I've noticed for if people yeah. hang around for whatever. I cannot remember what groups people are in anymore. It's all a blur now. So hang around. We will be going through. There are some actual five and a half, six million pound forwards, or Euro, six million euro forwards that would be a better choice than Mitchie Bashwai, in my my humble opinion. That being said, as we uh, as we move on to the next team, you may be rethinking about what forwards to go for because we've got we've got Dortmund. Oh Dortmund. Oh Dortmund, Dortmund, Dortmund. How we love you, how entertaining you are, how horrible your defense is. Um, so I've seen lots of people getting a little confused with the Dortmund goalkeeper situation. Uh, they do have a new number one, Koble. So if you have either of the other two goalkeepers, get rid of them. Uh, they don't play. Uh, now, Koble has so far, I've got four gamers worth of data here because they played in the German Super Cup final against Bayern Munich. Uh he has conceded two goals, three goals, two goals, two goals. So he's he's done really poorly. I have him in the Gaffer Super League game. I thought, ooh, this is a little bit of a coup because he's only four million on that. It's like playing four million goalkeeper. Happy days. I don't think he's gotten us more than a point yet. I think I think last week he got me four points for making saves. He's a really, really bad asset in my in my opinion, because they concede so many goals. They are currently playing Axel Witzel at centre-back with a Kanji. Paslak did play the first three games at right-back, but Munier is now back after his uh, rest from the Euros, I imagine. He's getting on a bit. Uh, they also played Schultz at left-back for those three games, but Guerrero is now back. Guerrero at six million. I've seen a few people talk about him. Midfield, the... They've played around with the formation a little bit. So they started off with a 4-2-3-1 and then a 4-3-3. But they've since moved to a diamond, so a 4-1-2-1-2. And it's very interesting. So if we talk about the diamond, Dahoud has been the holder, while Bellingham and Ray, uh, and Rayner have been the two central midfielders. Royce has been in the calm position with Haaland and Marlon up front. Marlon's done absolutely nothing. I wouldn't consider him an asset. Haaland is an absolute beast, as always. Uh, he's got three goals and two assists, I believe. Um, but Jude Bellingham, playing on off that right-handed cent, uh, midfield position, is came, he's only got a goal and assist in the last game. But his stats for the game before, he had four, four or five shots in the box or something, which for a centre midfield, that's quite a bit. He looks dangerous. He got an assist the, the game before that. And even, even Gio Reyna's had a couple of goals. So I actually think those positions look quite interesting. Marco Rice just has the, the one goal and assist in a 5-2 win quite a few games ago. But he is on, 
I think every set piece, maybe not corners, but in terms of pens and you'll be on free kicks now that Sancho's left. So we'll have some thinking to do. Aaron, what are your initial thoughts on Dortmund? I think there's a with Haaland, obviously, he's probably everyone's go-to striker, selected by 55% currently at the time we're recording. And with that group, it looks very nice that he can continue his Champions League goal-scoring form. So he yeah. he's definitely the first person that you probably look to get into your team. But with the others, it there is quite a big squad, a lot of potential different formations, like you said. And obviously with the injuries, and they're not necessarily the best at defending in the first place. So even ball recovery points, other than maybe Hummels, when fit, is probably... He's probably the only one who can make up for the ball recovery points. The rest of them are just not... Like, they won't get enough individually. It's kind of spread out throughout the team to the point where it's not enough for you to warrant getting them into your team. So, so one that interests me, though, is that they signed Kamara, who was quite sought after. I don't know whether it was on a loan or not. But at 4.5, if he starts to get into that defensive role, which allows maybe Dehoud or, or someone to push up a little bit more, I think that he, he could be quite interesting. But there's, I think the price points for Dortmund players are very, very tempting. To If you know the start on 11, you can be like, right, I'm actually going to get two or three of them in. Because the likelihood is they're going to, advance to the knockout stages and it'll be nice to have them players in before their price rises later in the tournament. That is something, obviously, where price rises for this. I can see Dortmund players really getting a good hike up if they perform well in the first first couple of games. They had a fairly simple group last year, if I remember correctly, it was Zenit Lazio Bruges, I think it was. Um, Lazio being better than in my opinion, any of the teams that, that they're facing here, uh, Ajax debatable. But we saw how how well, particularly Haaland did, did then. At 11 million, he's in my team. I've seen a lot of people pick Maury. I don't know why. Maury doesn't play. I know he's 4 million, but if you want 4 million, I will give you a 4 million. You just need to keep on watching these group previews, there is one absolute dynamite out of position, four million defender that plays every week. Uh, Kamara, not worth the risk. For four and a half, go Alvarez or go Barrios. You know they're going to play in Kamara. It's not like Kamara's going to score anyway. Why take the risk when you're just looking for ball recovery points? Just pick one of the other four and a half million that you know is going to play. Bellingham at seven is very, very tempting. It's just a case of can you work him into the team? Is the money that you're spending on him best served elsewhere? But if they continue playing this system where he's the one getting into the box, he could be very, very good. And I'd go with him over Reina just because the underlying stats are there for Bellingham. Guerrero's a no from me. Six million. I think he's on corners. But it's too much for a team that I don't even think they'll keep a clean sheet. So it's fine if you want to go for one of the premium defenders, but you need to think 
they're going to get attacking returns on top of a clean sheet. I've already mentioned Kerbal being no, and uh, Marco Rice at eight million. I don't know what more you want for eight million. He's he must be the best eight million player in midfield. Uh, I'm sure as we we'll go through these previews, we may come up with some other gems. But a penalty taker for eight million in midfield that likes to get in in beyond. I do think the diamond suits him less because he, he's not going to get beyond the two forwards as much. He's going to be very much operating edges. That does take away some of his threat for me, but it, it, it's something to keep an eye out on. Obviously, uh, Dortmund do have a game coming up at the weekend after the international break, as do the rest of these teams. All the teams that we're talking about will have one more game. So keep an eye out on those games. Try and keep an eye out on formations and how people are going to operate. Have you got any of these players in already, Aaron? Uh, the only person I've got in so far is Haaland. Um, trying to trying to fit in a, a more attacking, like mid-priced midfielder. Royce is definitely on that short list. But in terms of the others, kind of like similar to the Euros, Torgan Hazard is a bit of a, a trap, isn't he? A lot of people yeah. went for him uh, for Belgium, which granted he played, but it was a left wing back and you're playing a premium price for him. So between the two, probably Royce is still the better option. Although yeah. there is the injury risk later in the group stage, he probably will get injured at some point. It just seems to be the story of his career, unfortunately. Yeah. Torgan Hazard is currently injured as well. Got injured first game of the season, I believe. Scored, got injured. Uh, which looks, that's the way his career has gone as well. He's often injured. We'll move into the last team of this group then, Sporting Lisbon, who on the deadline day made a, the transfer of uh, Pablo Sarabia. So Sarabia has not yet featured. We don't know how he's going to feature. He will obviously have some effect on this team because I think he will be starting. I don't think he's going there to be on the bench, especially at Sporting, when I think he will be one of the better better midfielders here. So do bear that in mind. They have started the season consistently in terms of formation. They play a 3-4-2-1 or a f- however you want to look at that, <laughs> that formation. Um, they've won the first game 2-1, the second game 2-0, but they've drawn their most recent game 1-1. At the weekend, they're playing FC Porto. It's fairly late on Saturday night, I think. Uh, so that is actually be a really good indication of what level of performance both Porto and Sporting Lisbon are at. So before you commit to anything, I'd pay attention to the stats of that game and just generally how it goes. I think it's going to be a bigger testament to both teams' abilities than when they play middle-of-the-road Portuguese teams. They are now officially in one of the top five leagues. Uh, their coefficient is raised. There are three Portuguese teams in this year, Porto, Benfica and Sporting, as Benfica got through uh, qualifying. Goalkeeper is Adan. Right back is either Fedel or Neto. Um, Fedel's played two games, Neto's played one. Quates and Inacio are the centre-backs and Esjao is the left-back. Palinha, Nunes... Vinagra, if you uh, if you can remember him. Um, oh, sorry, I was going to say they're playing three at the back, aren't they? So yeah, Fedlin Net will be right-sided centre-back, sorry. Um, and Asajar will be uh, 
the right winger, with Vinagra on the left, Palinha Nunez in the centre. Gonzalez uh, and Cabral are playing off Paulinho. Hopefully I didn't butcher too many of those names. So, first of all, Aaron, do you know anything about Sporting? Have you put any players in your team? I haven't put any players in my team, but I was quite interested in them last year because it was quite a good title race between them and Porto last year. And because Sporting had won the the title, it was they were quite high up in terms of where Ronaldo was going to go if potentially leaving Juventus, although we weren't expecting Ronaldo to leave this quickly. It was quite a sudden move. So with his contract meant to expire next year, if there was a lot of uh, potential that Sporting could be a, an option for him. Um, I mean, it still could be after his Manchester United move, but uh, obviously Bruno Fernandes as well was making it quite public that Sporting Lisbon were doing really, really well. And they just had a really good run towards the end of the season and, and just saw off the opposition to make sure they won. And I think it was a, a draw with Porto at the end of the last year. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but the, either way, they've done really well. They've built a, quite a good team. At first, when I was looking through the goal scorers, I didn't realise that Paulinho and Polina were different players. So I was like, man, who is this person? Uh, <laughs> it turns out they're very similar names. So they, he was... They were going to be the player I was going to get, and I was like, "Oh yes, class." And then I, re- when I tried looking for them, I was like, "Oh, they're different people." Yeah, but other but than that, no, it's actually, um, quite, it's quite handy actually when you look at the price points. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing is, though, because they were in pot one, uh, it was I think just with the quality that they potentially had compared to other European leagues. The team in pot two, whoever got drawn with them, was always going to favour their chances to finish top. And I think that's just because of the quality that was in pot two. So Dortmund, quite fortunate to to be drawn against Sporting. But I think Sporting are going to be the similar to Porto, when they, like last year, when they give Man City two good games. Man City found it really hard. I think Sporting are going to be a similar team in which they... They're a bit more attacking from what I've gathered than Porto, but just well-organized, going to be difficult to beat and seem to bring in some good uh, young Portuguese talent, which there seems to be an abundance of currently. If we look at some goals here and some assists, um, Estrao and Vinagra both have an assist each. Estrao is actually... um, a defender on the game, even though he's, he's playing as a wing back, he's playing right wing back and he's four and a half million. So there's another budget wing back option here for Sporting Lisbon. Uh, Cabral, one goal, one assist, uh, dropped for the middle game. So he's got a goal and assist, then got dropped <laughs> for the next game. That was nice of his manager, five and a half million. Uh, so he could be an option. I'm just trying to see what position he is in on the game. So he's a forward. He's a five and a half million forward um, and more returns than Bashwai. So he, I, I think I'd rather go for him playing for Sporting than Bashwai playing for Besiktas if you are looking for a bargain basement striker. 
Uh, Palinia, as you mentioned. So I think he's great value. Uh, um, he is 5 million. He's a midfielder and he scored in his last two games. So if you can afford that extra 0.5 to upgrade from an Alvarez or a Barrios, go for Palinia. He's got two goals and he might be picking up ball recovery points anyway. I think so. Good- I think he's the. He's the little gem of the group at five million in midfield. Uh, I think one of the reasons, uh, one of the things that we need to look out for for people who play the game is Kante's injury, um, and Palinia could be a good way to downgrade Kante and still get a good starter, and then put, have an extra 0.5 to spend elsewhere rather than trying to get 0.5 from somewhere else to get Jorginho, which I see a lot of people trying to do. So, and Kante's injury, if we pay attention to that, if he's still injured when it comes to the Champions League, I mean, injuries seem to be picking up quite a bit for him anyways, and we'll touch on that when we go to Chelsea, but Paulinho saves you money. He's a starter, gets attacking returns, could potentially get ball recovery points as well, uh, especially in this group when it's quite uh, evenly spread. So he seems to be a good player that we could get for that price point. And when I got confused with the two players, when I saw he was 5 million, I thought I'd hit a jackpot, but no, Paulinho up front is a forward. Still good value, but different players. Yeah, Paulinho up front is 6 million. I think I'd rather have Cabral for 0.5 less. Uh, He has more returns. Paulinho has not scored yet this season. Uh, Sarabia coming in in seven and a half. I'm not sure. I like Sarabia as a player. Not too sure what he's going to be capable of in this team. I'd rather wait and see on that. Um, And I'd I'd say the last player I sort of mention is Adan, the goalkeeper. Four and a half million starter. So if you are looking for a four and a half million starter, we have three in this group of uh, Stecklenburg, Corbel. And Adan, so pick your poison between don't, them. Don't pick two. You want to rotate your goalkeepers. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, only pick one. Uh, but, but pick one of these three is what I'm yeah. trying to say. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick Cobalt, honestly, unless um, unless Hummels comes back and changes their fortunes. Or I think it's Zagadu, the other Dortmund centre back. Mm-hmm. Vi- Axel Witzel is a brilliant brilliant holding midfielder. We can see how important he is for Dortmund holding, but he's clearly not a centre-back and they are suffering because of this. I Obviously, they haven't had Munya and uh, in Guerrero at fullback as well, but I don't think Paslak and Schultz are particularly up for it, especially Paslak. He's great on FIFA because he's quick, but in real life, he's not very good. He's scored an own goal as well, I think, recently. Um, so Dortmund defence is an avoid and because of that, Sporting Ajax, Besiktas, uh, their attacking players are far, far more interesting for us to look at. Aaron, got any ideas or predictions on how you think this group's going to finish for Rabbit this uh, this one up? I think Dortmund will finish top. I'm going to go with Sporting to finish second ahead of Ajax, but I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be like something like goal difference or head to head, like away goals or something like that. Um, and then obviously Besiktas at the end, bottom. Uh, I'm going to go Dortmund 
Ajax. I think we've got the experience. I think Tadic is one of the best players in the group. Players like Gravenberg, he's quality. And um, then Sporting, then Besiktas last, unfortunately. But I don't think anyone's going to, I think anyone's going to get a pasting in this group. I think it's, I think there's going to be a lot of just goal scoring fun games to watch. This is one of the most exciting groups, I think, because there's no big names that are going to be scared to go out there and, and you know, they might be tentative. They don't want to give too much away. I just think this lot are all going to go out and try and hammer each other. Which so that, is good that's for going to be a lot of fun. Exactly. Very good for us. Uh, thanks for watching this group preview. We will be back next. The, the next group preview is group H. Sorry. Uh, and then we'll see what we decide to record tomorrow. Uh, so join us for our group H preview next, which we're going to record straight away after this one. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We are at UCL Fantasy Pod. Send us a message on there. Give us a follow. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this if you enjoyed it. We are available on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts as well if you're ever on the go and you don't want to see our ugly mugs on your phone screen when you're traveling about. And we'll see you next time. Bye now.